true God, we need each Love other to survive. God, we ask right now that you'd have your way in the service. I don't know who I'll be preaching to this morning, oh God, but have your way, oh God. There's a word from the Lord. And so, God, I ask that whatever that is spoken, that whatever that is uttered, oh God, will speak to the need of those who have gathered here in faith. Because, God, your people have come expecting a word that will cause them to go on and see what the end will be. God, thank you. Thank you. Well, the truth of the matter is you don't have to do another thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your loving kindness. We lift this prayer now upon the wings of the morn. Place it before thy feet. To the all-wise God we pray, and for his sake we do pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. With clean hands we bow before you. With clean hands we sing your praise. Because of mercy everlasting with clean hands we sing your praise with clean hands we bow before you with clean hands we sing your praise because the mercy everlasting with clean hands we sing your praise with clean hands we bow before you with clean hands we sing your Because of mercy everlasting, with clean hands we sing your praise, sing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah to the King. Sing hallelujah, hallelujah. Give you praise, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, 
Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. With clean hands we with clean hands we with clean hands we we give you Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. I want to speak for a few minutes from the subject, the paradox of Christmas. The paradox of Christmas. Everywhere we turn. The media portrays this time on the calendar as a season of endless celebration. It is a season of festivals and contentment, of laughter, of fun. Several of the cable movie channels will show traditional movies we like to see. King of Kings and been her and the greatest story ever told. However, the sad reality is that for many, holidays are a time of despair. It can be a time of loss and a time of grief. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Many, many people struggle behind plastered smiles to to just make it through the season with burdens of despair and dread. Statistically, at this time of year, we find there are more attempted and actual suicides than any other. So the question is, can joy flourish? Can joy grow amid the turmoil, amid the grief, amid the doubt, amid the despair, and amid the expected disaster? How can joy take root in this season when all we can anticipate is distress? The announcement concerning the birth of the Christ child came unexpectedly. And and given Mary's circumstance, it could not have come at a worse time. I, I mean, think about it, Ebenezer. I know how we like to put on our Christmas plays, and we like to talk about the wonderful things that we see in the story, but, but Mary was, was, was supposed to be married to Joseph. 
She was betrothed to Joseph, but she was not yet married. And according to the strict tenets of Jewish law, and in our eyes of the Orthodox community, her pregnancy before the celebration of marriage was a disgrace. She could have literally lost her life over the birth of a child out of wedlock. Stoning was still a part of the rabbinical law. At the least, her marriage could have been dissolved by annulment before the wedding even took place, and she would spend the rest of her days in disgrace. Mary was still a young girl. Records, historical accounts say somewhere between the age of 17 and 20, with most of her life still ahead of her. Like all young girls of that age, her dreams of marriage, her dreams of children, of, of caring for a family as her mother had done, for, had done before, were now all in jeopardy. Perhaps, just perhaps she could remain at home with her parents. Perhaps she would be forced into the streets to fend for herself. What should have been a time of unfettered joy was paradoxically mixed with extreme apprehension. We will never know how much of this event threw her head at the time uh, what, how much uh, of this went through her head at the time of the angel's announcement. These were serious concerns for any young women of her day. Oh, we focus on the shepherds abiding in the field. We, we, we focus on the three wise men, men bringing gifts of becoming pregnant out of wedlock could be disastrous to a far greater degree than any young girl would experience today. You see, there was no crisis pregnancy centers available then. There were no social workers available to help her prepare for her own financial needs without the aid of a working husband. It was a tough life that awaited any pre pregnant, unmarried girl. The announcement of a pregnancy before marriage, Ebenezer, meant disaster. She would be seen as a failure, she would be denied the opportunity to mingle with her neighbors. Her reputation and place in society would be destroyed. All hopes for a bright future would be gone. Life loomed before Mary like a bait trap preparing a spring shut. And it's striking that the gospel of Matthew says nothing at all about any announcement to Mary from an angel or man or beast. He simply describes her pregnant condition and references it as blessed 
by God. Seemingly, that is about all he has to say of Mary. Then again, it says much about our God. For in spite of all the tradition and lore of Mary's condition being sinful and distasteful and repugnant in the eyes of society, somehow God has stepped in and announced her condition as a blessing. And I don't know about you, but isn't that just like God? How many times have we found ourselves facing ridicule and facing scorn? How many times have we found ourselves under the harsh judgment from others because of the circumstances in our lives? Sometimes circumstances that were out of our control only to find comfort and peace from knowing that the Lord, our God, took that which was meant to destroy us. Oh, y'all don't hear me this day. And somehow refashioned it and retooled it into a permanent blessing. Y'all know how, what eras we grew up in. Some of y'all were single mothers. Oh, I can't get no help here. And, and, and you know how society looked upon you. And some even talked about you behind your back. But God took what society deemed as negative and turned it around and made it a blessing. I need some honest folks this morning. This ain't no feel-good sermon, but it's a sermon in the Word of God. The story of Mary's conception is proof that God can take all that circumstance of disgrace, of disrepute and dishonor, and transform it all into the, a message of hope, a message of joy, a message of forgiveness for once and for all. You see, God chooses to bless this young girl and an entire nation from the midst of a fallen condition. Joy and the paradox of Christmas were born amid turmoil and despair. Matthew doesn't start the Christmas story the way we would have started it. Matthew doesn't even begin with Mary. He begins with Joseph's ancestry. Right off the bat, Ebenezer, he refers to four women in Joseph's lineage. These are not women of stellar reputation and purity in the eyes of, of society. The, it was Tamar who deceived her father-in-law to have his child when he had refused her rightful marriage to his son. It was Rahab who was a harlot from Jericho. It was Ruth who was a foreigner from Moab who involved herself with Boaz before their marriage. It was Bathsheba who was taken by David who plotted her husband's death. We tend to overlook this background. 
But you need to know the line of David to which Joseph clings is not one of, of, of a morally stellar reputation. And yet, and yet, from such a sordid line, joy is born. In spite of all this disreputable history, God chose to intervene and conceive a blessing amid the turmoil, amid the chaos, amid the distortions of sinful human affairs. You see, sin is not so much a problem for God, but a problem of our own. It saddens God who desires something much better for us to see us living beneath the grace he extends to all those who confess him as Lord and Savior. It does not, however, seem to cause God to recoil. God does not turn up God's nose at us. Rather, it is our sinful state that we recoil from God. The same God who in grace extends an offer of joyous blessings amid the destruction in our lives. Matthew continues his Christmas story with Joseph. He seems unconcerned with Mary. He is much more concerned with the story's impact on Joseph and what Joseph's response was going to be. You see, Joseph looked upon Mary's pregnancy with concern. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, by all rights, this would be no birth to celebrate. It would not be fitting for him to accept her as his wife. For by doing so, Joseph would tarnish his own reputation. The accepted thing to do would be to expose her public disgrace and salvage his own social standing. However, Joseph chose instead to relinquish rights to her in a quiet manner and get on with looking for a new wife. But the good news is God's grace stepped in anew. And Matthew's record records that, that, that an angel appearing to Joseph, encouraging him to go ahead with the marriage and accept God's blessing on their union in spite of impending social disgrace, in spite of what people would whisper, in spite of what people would say. Somehow, God had blessed the child in Mary's womb, and this child would be the Savior of the world. I don't know about you, but it took courage for Joseph to assume the charge placed on him. I mean, y'all remember that show Scandal? Tassel. This here was a scandal. He was charged with naming this child conceived out of wedlock. He would have to stand before the priests and the preachers and the people and claim this child as his own. This was the ancient law of paternity. 
The naming of a child was a declaration of paternity for all legal concerns. Instead of writing Mary out of his life, he would permanently claim her and unburned child as his own. And in spite of a looming social disaster, in spite of the murmuring of the people, in spite of the ridicule, in spite of any reputation of righteousness, in spite of the social and religious expectations placed upon him, Joseph was to accept this child who was to be blessed by God's grace. Yes, it was scandalous, but he was to look upon the child as a joyous blessing. Matthew chooses to focus his Christmas story on two tragedies turned into triumph. And, and, and we suddenly realize that it's not the outward appearance that matters to God, but it's the inward heart that matters to God. Mary and Joseph chose to see their circumstance in the light of God's grace rather than the dark of man's judgment. And wouldn't we be better off if we too saw our circumstances in the light of God's grace? Because you know, there was a time that folks said, well, you can't serve because you you can't serve because you did this, or you can't serve because you're not qualified, or you serve because you got all them kids, or you can't serve because of all of this. But we have to look at our circumstances in the light of God's grace. Their faith was fortified by God's special purpose in the birth of, Christ, of the Christ child. Nothing else matters. We all have that same opportunity. We can choose to recognize our calamities as God's opportunities. We can choose to recognize our own shortcomings as a way for God to take it and do something above we can ever ask or think. Just as Mary and just as Joseph did. We can choose, Ebenezer, to really believe that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We, we can choose this day to declare that, that God's grace is sufficient for the poor and no matter how pathetic our poverty, we can choose today that God's grace is sufficient for the weak no matter how feeble our steps. We can choose today uh, to declare that God's grace is sufficient for the tired, no matter how exhausted our bodies. We can choose today that God's grace is sufficient for the burdened, no matter how heavy our load. God's grace is sufficient for the lonely, no matter how pitiful our situation. 
God's grace is sufficient for the wretched. No matter how despairing our circumstance, I tell you, his grace is sufficient for the sick, no matter how painful their disease. You see, there is no paradox. God's grace is sufficient to fuel our Christmas joy. And so I don't know what your circumstance is. I don't know what your circumstance may have been, but I'm here to declare that God's grace is sufficient. I don't care where you came from. I don't care how long it took you to get saved. God's grace is sufficient. I know what the world will say about you, but I'm telling you today that God's grace is sufficient. If the whole world says no, it don't even matter. Because in the economy of God, all you need is God's yes. Yes. You can be the savior of the world. I don't care about your circumstance. I don't care about your lineage. I don't care about your parentage. You can be used by God. And so as we continue our preparation during this season of Advent, be mindful that you can be used by God, the Word of God, for the people of God, and all of God's people said, amen. We're going to open the doors of the church today. Perhaps there's someone here. They would like to give their life to the Lord. Perhaps you are here today knowing that the world counted you out, but God counted you in. We want to give you an opportunity at this time to give your life to the Lord. Is there one today as our musicians lead us for our invitational? Let us pray, church, that someone who is in the building or who is watching online will accept the invitation to join with us here at Ebenezer. Is there one today? New life abundantly Won't you come Come on, on to Christ. Oh, we offer Christ to you, oh my brother. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Now is your time. Offer Christ to you, oh my sister. He will give you brand new life, new life abundantly. Oh, so come. 
today I want to say this I want to say first of all thank you in advance to the outreach ministry for the work that you have been doing that's the best y'all got yeah they have worked hard y'all they have worked hard Now, I believe every opportunity is an opportunity to do better and be better. Now, I want you to know that the goal of this event is not necessarily just to give out toys. It is an opportunity to embrace our community with a spirit of love and a sense of evangelism in our hearts. I want those folks when they come in here to feel the love of Ebenezer like every single one of them are members of this church. So I mean, that means we need to go out of our way to make them feel welcome. Not just to get toys, but to come in here to worship. Now I've already talked to Deacon Cooper, who is leaving this effort. And I told him, I said, I want us to be intentional about our hospitality, about our hospitality to our guests. Now, let me say this. I don't want Ebenezer folks to be the first ones in line. Oh, I can't get no help here now. And I don't want no, and I'm not saying this happened, so don't, don't, don't. But I'm just, I've worked with other toy drives. I don't want Ebenezer folks to be putting toys aside for later. For the Juniper Tree Baptist Church. I know that's right, brother. This ain't about you and your grandbabies. Your grandbabies got you. They got you to get them some stuff. Now, if it's something left over, then that's a whole nother story altogether. But I want us, I want us to open the doors of hospitality like we've never had before. I want festive music in the Sims room. I want, I want us, I want to be filled with joy and laughter. And let me just say this. I need some men folk to be here. (laughs) 
We can't let our ladies do all the work. We know we got to provide, you know, men are supposed to be the protectors. We got to look out for our place, our space, and our people. So for those of you (laughs) are intent on trying to get home in, in time to see the bears, Someone said for what? That's a good that's a good question. Put that little thing on record and give this church your reasonable service. We gonna all be here celebrating. You know, because I probably should say this next Sunday and I probably will say it, but I'll say it now. There's some stuff that we're going to leave in 2021. We're going to leave it right here in 2021. There's some stuff we're not taking with us into 2022. So it's going to start next next Sunday. Let's, let's do it up, Ebenezer. Let's do it up like we never have before. Let us stand to our feet. Let us stand to our feet. I'm praying in advance that God will give us 15 people from that experience to join our fellowship on next week. That's what I'm praying for. Anybody going to pray alongside of me? Anybody going to touch and agree about that? At least 15 people. Amen. Let us look to heaven. Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling. To him who's able to present you for his father with exceedingly great joy. To the all wise God be dominion and power, honor and glory. Now, henceforth, and forevermore, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day.
Thank you. 